Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. Welcome back to this week of shows. Thank you for listening to us early in the week last week. Had a nice pre-football season vacation, but we are back now. I am your host, Eric Jensen, and I am joined today by my good friend, YB, all the way from South Korea. YB, the last time we chatted, you had caught me coming off uh, a wild night with some friends here <laughs> on, uh, on a holiday evening, and I felt I, I hadn't brought my A game. Today, uh, Bradford was scheduled to join us, but he had something come up last second, and that's all good. Uh, but you uh, you get a game eric jensen today and i'd just like to apologize for last time and say thank you for joining me as i know this is a korean holiday so thank you for joining me on the podcast uh hope all is well out there on that side of the globe how are you doing uh we're doing all right today is basically the korean independence day so but we don't have fireworks and we don't have barbecues as far as i'm aware but on the whole, we've had the previous week we've had some massive rains and a and a heat wave come in, so it's been kind of like we feel like it's kind of the end of the world coming around. But hopefully not. I enjoy doing these podcasts as well as watching football and seeing as how we've just begun to watch football now for the twenty two twenty three season. It'd be a real shame if the world ended right about now. Yeah, that'd suck. It'd suck if the world just decided to up and end like week two of a preseason like that like the last thing we gotta see was week one of a preseason like i i i don't know about that it's just it's just that, depressing that'd be cruel that'd be cruel yeah anyhow <laughs> uh so today's episode i want to keep it short and sweet 20 minutes max go back and forth listen i get the preseason isn't important it's really not they you really can't learn much about teams from it, but we are going to hop through and talk about some players, some interesting trends, stuff that we've seen in preseason week one that we think is interesting. Mine's going to be very player heavy. I think YBs will be too, but I figured we'll each go back two or three, three or four times and uh, chat about, what we saw week one of a preseason. So YB, let's just get underway here. What do you think is the biggest story coming out of preseason week one? Um, it's got to be about Zach Wilson, right? Because when you see non-contact knee injury, you begin you immediately begin thinking to yourself, oh my God, is, is this the dreaded torn ACO and the season's over before it started? Thankfully, or at least for Jets fans' sake, and I know for your sake as well, because you have an affinity for Zach Wilson, it looks like it's a meniscus tear and and a bit of a and some injury around the knee, but nothing as serious as a torn ACL. So, two to four weeks, they're saying, maybe a little bit longer, depending on how they want to take the recovery, because it's the same knee that got hurt last season. So, I think the Jets fans were really, they really had their hearts sink into their stomachs when they saw. Wilson limp off so that's really good news in that regard because Wilson obviously had a very rough rookie year especially because his designated QB coach uh, passed away in the middle of the middle of last season which was very unfortunate and I think stunted his development and if you wipe away year two of his development as well then really the Jets have nowhere to go and they have not they have nothing to evaluate Wilson with so on the on the macro level for the Jets as well especially with the talent they brought in through the draft and free agency it's a very good thing that Wilson is not seriously hurt. 
that's the first major point of news I want to give. Yeah, definitely a huge point of the preseason was that scary moment where he went down. But the one thing that I felt pretty good about was he was able to walk off the field on his own right. volition. And that, to me, I I was a little less worried about it. But it is also concerning it's that same knee as last year. Like, you can see a trend starting to develop there. And if that knee isn't as structurally sound as the Jets want it to be, this is the type of thing that I think the Jets might consider playing really, really safe. And even if that means you have to start Mike White or Joe Flacco the first one or two weeks of the season, I do think there's a chance that he misses some regular season time for this if they get in there with the surgery in these next few days and things don't look as promising as they thought. And that could really set you back uh, right. further as 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 a team. And this this is just such a huge year for the Jets. Like, things really start to have to materialize this year because Joe Douglas has built this offense. Everyone, every piece they have has come from this front office and it, you know, it's time to turn around and, and, and create a winner. And if they don't have all their pieces fully healthy, that's really going to hurt them doing that, but that's not going to be a relevant excuse come the end of the year but Jets are just not that kind of a market especially with Beckton already looking like he'll be out for this season as well which is another yeah. basically unrealized high potential guy so if they had if they had lost Wilson as well that would have been a that would have been a disaster in terms of organizational building and timelines and whatnot yeah I will go here with um Titans Ravens that was the first game played this preseason I I saw a little bit about that a few things I know a guy that you mentioned uh that that I took a liking to as well Isaiah likely a tight end for Ravens looks very very good in he did in his kind of debut for them I believe he's a rookie correct right um fourth rounder yeah I thought he looked like he could be a little bit of a contributor and that'd be good to have some depth behind Mark Andrews especially because the Ravens like to play with two tight end sets and and need that kind of depth at that position so I liked Isaiah Likely I thought that he was an interesting player Tyler Huntley just remains a, a very solid backup quarterback I think that he is staying in Baltimore for the foreseeable future. They have a lot of cap space and he's just the perfect backup for Lamar Jackson. So unless somebody comes to them with a huge offer via trade, I really think they would pay him a lot of money and give him a pretty high salary for a backup to stick there because I think he just makes sense as kind of a forebear system. He just fits in well. Um. And then Malik Willis, you know, I, I thought you looked good. Um, you know, the throw stuff is still a little bit off. Um, he it misses. Was to be expect- it was to be expected from a guy who was uh, scouted as being talented but raw 
And it was kind of the what you expect to see from someone who has that kind of evaluation. Yeah, absolutely. He did look super raw. It, it looked like the game was very, very fast for him, but he threw an excellent deep ball in, in the performance. And the way he moves when he runs, I, it, right. I can't describe it as any way other than video game-esque. And it's just, you know, that's pretty exciting. And I don't think there's any danger of Ryan Tannehill losing the starting job in Tennessee. At this but season, I, at least. But I do think that Malik Willis is an interesting guy to kind of keep your eye on down the road. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's a very intriguing young passer and definitely the rookie quarterback that I was most interested by uh, in preseason week one. And going back to the Ravens, Isaiah Likely, he was part of two. He was one of two tight ends drafted by the Ravens in the same round, along with Charlie Kolar. And as a as a Bengals fan. And having known that tight end is a very weak spot on the team for a while, no disrespect to CZ Uzama, but I was I was hoping we could get at least one of them, and it really was like the Ravens to kind of uh, troll the other AFC North teams and take basically the two last remaining good tight ends away, and likely looked like a player. He looked like he could make he could with some further development really be a contributor, as well as the other as well as the other rookie receiver Shamar Bridges who kind of looks like Chase Claypool and kind of played like Chase Claypool in that game with a, with a pretty amazing end zone touchdown catch. So the Ravens saw what they could saw some good flashes from their young guys as the Ravens are ought to do. Malik Willis, obviously I agree with your point that, uh, that he looked raw, but the athleticism is there and shows he can, it can work at least in preseason and he'll obviously have time to learn because Tannehill ain't going anywhere, at least for this season. Uh, going to another game that I saw, uh, Niners-Packers. Nin- well, obviously, Niners, the big issue was Trey Lance and how he would look because there have been a lot of conflicting reports coming out of training camp because it was said that the Niners defense looked really, really, really good. So you really don't know if it's the defense is that good or if Lance and the offense was that bad. But they looked like he played well. Lance uh, exploited some mistakes by the Packers secondary and got a deep ball to Danny Gray, another another uh, wide receiver uh, rookie who was pretty pretty hyped up by the Athletics uh, draft guru Dane Brugler and thought he could be a late round contributor and he showed what he could do on that deep ball. And on the other side with the Packers, Jordan Love was okay. He had two touchdowns. The interceptions, some of them were off the receivers' hands, and but obviously Aaron Rodgers ain't going anywhere soon. And the guy they had been hyping up throughout camp, uh, Romeo Dobbs, he had a he had a touchdown catch. So, if they're looking for, they're look obviously going to be looking for contributors to fill in the void left by Devonte Adams. And while the focus was on Christian Watson, their second round pick, Dobbs was the one that was getting a lot of rave reviews in training camp. And if they can get something out of him, then it might then the drop off. There will be a drop off, obviously, because you can't really replace someone like Adams. But if they can find contributors that can add up to fill the void then maybe it won't be as big of a void as we might have imagined yeah romeo dubs i wrote this down romeo dubs comma he's a problem he he mm-hmm. was really good i i i'm really sold on him the fact aaron Rodgers, who never hypes up rookies hyped him up a ton the fact he had two really good uh, catches in this game a touchdown catch him and a pretty good contested catch along the sideline I think Romeo Dubs is definitely a guy to keep your eye on as a contributor instantly in this offense alongside Alan Lazard. 
I, I think that he should be on the field a lot to start the year. Uh, and, and he's the guy I'm more excited about than even their higher draft pick, which was Christian Watson, who hasn't played be, because of an injury. The other guy that he, he didn't, yeah, I believe he had like two catches in this game, but um, I saw something on his re- returning ability that was pretty special as well. Amari Rogers really wasn't part of the game plan last year he, because he just got buried on mm-hmm. the depth chart, but he was right. a guy that got some rave reviews out of college. And I I just think that the Packers, it it's foolish to freak out about their um, – their wide receiving core. I think ultimately they're going to be fine. There are a lot of different good options there, and Aaron Rodgers is obviously a very good quarterback. I have a different take on Jordan Love. Um, I thought he was really bad. I, I, I thought that those interceptions, yes, you could say one of them's tipped, but it's tipped because he throws it too far ahead of his receiver, and they just get their fingertips on it, and it goes to – the defense and the, the the second pick he had was just an inaccurate ball. It was just behind the receiver. Right. Like I I I don't think Jordan Love is terrible, but he's never gonna be a high level NFL starter in my eyes. I think the he's best not gonna be you, the answer. I, I I think the best you can hope for him is like being a replacement level starter at some point in his career, but he's not even at that point yet. So, and we're, and we're three years deep. I think it's safe to say he's never going to be anything special. I mean, it's, and it's kind of a tough situation situation he was in because he's behind obviously Aaron Rodgers, but it leads to the point where you're thinking that because his first round pedigree still gives him a semblance of value. So if you're the Packers front office, you might be thinking to yourself, if we don't think he's the long-term answer, whenever Rogers hangs it up, then do we really do we need to start calculating what we can get in return for him, as opposed to holding on to an increasingly dwindling thread of hope that he could be the long-term answer? It's a it's a situation. It's a question they have to think about. Yeah. Uh, I want to bring up um, Carolina Washington a few points from that game. I mm. I watched that mainly because I think that that's a real quarterback competition. Mm-hmm. And I think there are, are some interesting points there. Baker didn't look great, had a pretty bad fumble uh, that he, he recovered, but it, it wasn't great and on, only went four for six for, I believe, like 60 yards. Uh, Sam Darnold had a nice-looking touchdown pass. Right. Um, I think one thing we're sleeping on is the fact that maybe both those guys end up being – not good enough to win as starters. And we see a large majority of the season of PJ Walker as the starter Uh, because PJ Walker, even though he's not like a starting caliber quarterback, he might provide you more of a chance to stay alive and in games than Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield does. And I know that's crazy to say, but that's kind of what I believe at this point. I, I think both those players Darnold especially he had like one good throw in the preseason sure but you know we know what he is and Baker I mean I I, I, he did not look good here and he's fully healthy now and if he doesn't look good in even in preseason then I'm just 
unconvinced by the whole Panthers experiment. I'm not super high on what I saw. Also, no player I feel worse about in fantasy football than Antonio Gibson. Like, two awful fumbles. Like, and they gave J.D. McKissick more work than him. And J.D. McKissick still caught all the catches out of the backfield from Carson Wentz. So. And also, Brian Robinson, their rookie running back, he ran pretty hard and ran well. He got he scored the running – he scored the rushing touchdown. So. Yeah. People in dynasty leagues are really having a field day with this field with this preseason week one, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last thing I have underlined is uh, I'm monitoring Sam Howell. He did not look terrible. Right. Like, I'm not saying that he's going to be the starter, but if things really break down with Carson Wentz, like Sam Howell, like they should maybe try to move Taylor Heineke because Sam Howell should probably be the backup like he's he looks good enough to be the backup it would be a bit of a gut punch to washington fans whatever their team name is nowadays because heineke did gut it through the season but we saw going through the the second half of last season that basically heineke isn't enough to elevate a team on his own he he's not a game changer he's a good he's a good backup he's a he's a decent backup but you're right that maybe if they want to really take a look at long-term solutions then maybe Howell needs to be elevated or maybe maybe not this season but you let you let Heineke and Wentz take their lumps because the Washington offense to be particularly frank in my opinion is not that good and you, you let Howell marinate and learn as much as he can this year in a bit of a redshirt year and kind of look to move on with him year two and on the other side Matt Corral didn't look too bad either so this that's another point of contention in the very crowded Panthers quarterback room. Going tying, tying it back to what we began this podcast with in the beginning, when Wilson got it, when Zach Wilson suffered his injury, there was a very dark, uh, dark joke going around Twitter that, well, the, if the Jets need a quarterback, the Panthers have a first round uh, a quarterback that was previously drafted in the first round who is now proven to be not starting caliber material. Are you interested in a one-year rental? Obviously, they're talking about Sam Darnold. So right. <laughs> it would have been a very ironic twist of fate to have them come back. And one other game that I did want to touch on, not not very deeply, but the Brown the Browns game, I forget who they were playing. I think it was the Jags. And the with the Browns, with the whole main point with Deshaun Watson and the Jacksonville Jaguars fans coming out with the chant you heard in indie wrestling scenes, the you sick F, you sick F, which is a very hilarious chant. I can't wait to see what other fans come up with if Watson plays. And Watson obviously looked rusty after, after a year plus of being out of, out of action. But what I did want to touch on was that their starting center, Nick Harris, he suffered a season-ending injury. They obviously let go of their longtime veteran center, J.C. Treader, which now creates a very awkward situation because they need a center. And the guy that looks to be the best free agent on the market is the guy they left with on, on acrimonious terms and also is the head of the Players Association, which is, <laughs> which is a very strange situation, to say the least. So when I often harp on the importance of the center, especially with a quarterback that's coming into a new system. And the fact that they're now designated starting center is gone for the season. And they'll have either Deshaun Watson, depending on appeal, or Jacoby Brissett, who is also new to the new to the Brown system. That doesn't speak, that doesn't bode well for the Browns chances in that regard. No, certainly. 
does not I last thing I had I just want to touch on some wide receivers that kind of broke mm-hmm. out uh Lance McCutcheon Lance McCutcheon for, for Rams five receptions 87 yards two touchdowns that's really good mm, that's it was that that's really good and that's the kind of thing where you say oh it's for preseason sure it's but preseason. if you average 17 yards of catches five times like there's a good sign there and he's definitely a guy I'll keep an eye on in preseason week two, but the Rams definitely need some wide receiver depth and it looks like they might have it. Mm. Um, And then George Pickens with the spectacular kind of touchdown catch against Seattle. I think that he's just going to be an absolute star. Um, I, I think the, the Steelers are in a good position and apologies to Bradford who uh, on the quarterback show got me riled up about Mitch Trubisky, but I do wasn't think the only Mitch... one that got you riled about. <laughs> yeah. I do. I think... remember the Allen Holmes debate very well. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Indeed. I do think Mitch Trubisky might end up being the week one starter because I get Kenny Pickett was perfect, but it was all stuff short of the sticks and like out of the backfield. He, the Steelers never really challenged him. And Trubisky looked pretty good. The touchdown pass he threw was to a wide open guy, but I thought Trubisky looked better than I thought he might. So I, I'm kind of changing my tune on that. I think that Kenny Pickett might come off come on into the season as a backup maybe a few weeks into the season but I do think there's a good chance that Mitch Trubisky starts the season for the Steelers I don't think the week one starter is as important as I think the week 17 or 18 starter and week one Trubisky because he's a veteran he's been he's been in the league for what five six years now and he's has he has first round pedigree it's it's no it's no shame for Kenny Pickett if he can't quite beat him out in the beginning of training camp in the beginning of the season for the starting job what matters is that if Trubisky struggles and a lot of people are assuming that he will struggle during into the, when it gets into the actual regular season then Pickett then there will be calls for Pickett to come in and if Pickett can take run take that opportunity and run with it then that's what's important not the, not who starts week one in my opinion for the Steelers because they're kind of at a crossroads right now. And Pickens obviously look good. They have two, they have massive weapons in Johnson and Claypool and Najee Harris. And kind of, it was kind of fitting that against the Seahawks last year when during the regular season, the Seahawks Pitts Steelers game ended when a Seahawks quarterback was strip sacked and <laughs> the Steelers recovered the ball and won. And much and la- and in this game, a, a Seahawks quarterback, a different one got strip sacked on the first play because he didn't sense a blitz coming. And then Kenny Pickett led a touchdown to end the game. So the Steelers look like they're in their zombie mode. As I, as I talked to in the AFC North podcast, the quarterbacks look better than what we had been led to believe because the reports coming out of camp were not very flattering for any of them. So I think Trubisky will be the starter week one, but I don't think that's as important as who will be the starter come the end of his season on the other side. The Seahawks, uh, there really wasn't much to say except that Drew Locke is, uh, how should I say this? Locke was statistically all right, but that last play, that last play that the Seahawks ran when he had no idea a blindside blitz was coming, got absolutely drilled and lost the ball. 
you can't do that as a veteran quarterback in the preseason. In the regular season, when there are other when there are actual NFL players playing against you and and coordinators scheme up all sorts of blitzes to kind of confuse you, then maybe. But in the preseason, if you can't see a DB blitz coming from your blinds, if you can't sense it and you can't shift protection or kind of get out of the way, that, that, that doesn't speak well to the capacity of a quarterback who is now five years or so in the league. And that's not something you want to have on your resume. And Geno Smith obviously is a bit of a retread now, especially after he, like he's been a sort of a punchline since his, well, getting punched. But I think Drew Locke is not the answer. And no matter what the horse cock lock uh, truthers say Locke is not the answer I believe that and I think so do you yeah I I don't believe that Drew Locke is the answer I just I I don't uh, I'm not uh, I'm not a fan of his and you know he most of the throws he made too weren't that impressive and and you're right you can't you can't get strict strip sacked in the preseason like that that just isn't a good look Finally, just some thoughts on our own teams, and then let's get out of here. For the Broncos, two names, Baron Browning, looked pretty good in his move to edge, was was pretty effective, uh, had a sack, and P.J. Locke had an interception at, at cornerback. That's good secondary depth developing for the Broncos. Overall, you couldn't learn much from the offenses. Most of the starters didn't play, but... Uh, the Broncos' defense did look better than I expected them to. And for me, for the Bengals, it wasn't a lot of good in in the game against the Cardinals where they got slaughtered for most of the game. And then they immediately scored two touchdowns once uh, Kyler Murray started calling the plays as, as opposed to Cliff Kingsbury in the fourth quarter. The, the names that I want to focus on for the Bengals is, if you look at the box score, Chris Evans looked like he had a, tor- he had a terrible game. But he had a 65-yard run. And a touchdown catch that was wiped out by a penalty, most couple of which, both of which were, I think, pretty ticky tack and didn't really affect the play. And he had a good kick return as well, which is what he began, which was the role that he took over in, into the postseason. So they want to get Evans involved, and Evans showed that he has the ability to do so. On the bad side, Jackson Carmen, who was penciled in as the starter at left guard, looked god awful. He was awful. And if you're the one, starting caliber guy supposedly in the preseason you're not supposed to look like the worst guy on the line and he did and that's a problem they brought in Cordell Volson their fourth round rookie for the second half and he looked better obviously it's it's not it's not it's he's not going to look perfect he's a fourth round rookie for a reason and he looked better than Jackson Carmen albeit against even deeper bench players so it would be interesting to see what how that situation unfolds because that is a very glaring weak link in the Bengals offensive line on the plus side, though, Dax Hill looked good. He got he did get torch he did get torched for a touchdown in the early in the game, but he looked rangy, athletic. He went he converged to the ball very well, so he's been learning a lot from Jesse Bates, from what I've heard. And the two rookie D linemen that they drafted, Jeff uh, Zach Carter and Jeff Gunter, both made both were involved heavily and made plays. So it's something to look forward to. Like they the Bengals really didn't scheme anyone open, and that's a problem. I think a lot of people have with Zach Taylor and Brian Callan is that they rely heavily on the talent of the players that they have as opposed to scheming people open and but on the whole on the preseason you, you look for the you look for the positives that you can glean because the results really don't matter unless you're getting killed horribly for the three straight weeks 
So it's just something to keep an eye on. And Dax Hill looks like a keeper. Cool. All right, dude. Well, thank you so much for joining me this week, YB. This All has right. been a ton of fun. I think we covered quite a bit for preseason week one, at least. And I, I, you know, I think that our listeners can come away with some names to talk about going into preseason week two. So what do you plan on doing with the rest of your Korean independence day? And also you said you had no barbecues. Isn't Korean, isn't Korea famous for barbecue or is Korean barbecue totally American? Uh, Korean barbecue, it, it exists, but I'm, when I'm referring to barbecue, you know how on July, on Independence Day in America, they always they all go outside and they grill outside on a large ass grill. And that's not something that we usually can do because we are a lot more cramped for space than you guys are in the okay. U.S. <laughs> but Korean barbecue exists. And also for the rest of the day, I will be a devoted father and spend a lot of time playing with my son, who is right now clamoring at my door. <laughs> and on the whole... I'll be I'll, once I've done with my uh, paternal duties, I'll be ready. I'll be ready to relax and 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 tackle the rest of the week. And also, I'll be in the U.S. in the in over the next weekend and into the next week because I'm on business. So I'll be stepping on American soil for the first time in God knows how long, about four years or so. So that'll be good to see. And hopefully, nice. I can hopefully I can get a chance to stop by Allegiant Stadium because I'll be in Vegas. It's a bit away, but I'll try to see what I can do. That's awesome. All right, man. Well, thank you very much for joining us, and we will hopefully have you on soon. All right. Sounds good. Peace out, guys. Oh, follow us on Twitter. Sorry. <laughs> at EndzonePod, <laughs> at Eric18Utah, and at EricJetsonSport. It's important to follow us on Twitter so you can see the podcast. Thank you so much again for listening. Now, peace out. We'll see you later.